Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. CuffLinks.com, thank you so much for being with us this entire Game of Thrones season. Don't forget, everybody, Father's Day is coming up. Go to CuffLinks.com slash DVR. Use code DVR20 now. Get 20% off your order. There's amazing Father's Day ties, handkerchiefs, belts, so much awesome stuff you can get. Check out the awesome products from brands like Oxen Bull other brands like Marvel, DC, NFL, all the stuff that dad would love. It's all at cufflinks.com. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. We have a very special two-part season-ending review. Justin and I are here. We're going to talk about how this season ranks among all the seasons. Then we're going to go episode by episode, breaking it down. He's got some awesome ideas about ways that maybe it could have been better. I'm just going to say that I love everything because that's what I do. No, I actually have some things that I would like to change as well. And also some things that I did appreciate. So we're going to have a great time just going over the entire season. Last episode, Heath and I talked a little bit about the season, but mostly about the documentary. So I thought it would be great to bring Justin in to have a little bit of a different point of view. I do, though, want to take the time to thank Shibi Yaz, R. Foley, that's my brother, Brez, Trig, gave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Thank you for everyone giving us reviews on iTunes. I also want to thank all the patrons. Patrons, you are the lifeblood of everything here. There's a bunch of you. I love you all. Some of you are new. Some of you are old. Make new friends. Keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. That's what my mom used to say. You're all gold to me. Go to patreon.com slash DVR and really patrons, thank you. Because now that... Game of Thrones is dying down. We're getting back to Daily DVR. We're going to be covering Big Little Lies. You can subscribe to Daily DVR or the Big Little Lies feed itself. Jenny and I are going to be doing that. It's going to be amazing. I also want to give a shout out to Gina, who you've heard many times on the roundtable. She has a new podcast called Resisting Gilead that is covering The Handmaid's Tale, which is coming back on Hulu. Gina's going to be covering that, and I will be coming on and guesting on at least one of those episodes. So go, Gina. Everyone go subscribe to Resisting Gilead. All right. That's a lot that I had to say. I want to intro Justin, but before I do, I want to remind you all or tell you all, go into the show notes. Justin's going to a con and he needs your help in getting there. So help Justin out. Justin, let's get on with the show, baby. What's going on, everybody? Justin Thomas here with a collaboration with Podcast Winterfell, my good friend W. Axel Foley. We're going to be talking Game of Thrones. We're going to be going over all the seasons, talk a little bit of detail about the final season, how we felt. I've got some actual uh, quick story edits that I did in 40 minutes. So uh, let's see how those turn out. And uh, we got cufflinks.com here on the screen. Axel can't see it, uh, but it is the official sponsor of the podcast. And I'm sure he'll be telling you all about it. But uh, yeah, just Axel, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, let's get it rolling, brother. All right, Justin. I'm so happy to be here. Now, we did our, uh, Heath and I did a kind of breakdown of the last watch. Did you get a chance to watch that documentary? Yeah, um, I I watched. I didn't catch the whole thing. I went out to my brother's uh, last week, and I rarely, rarely ever uh, go out to rally and have uh, a couple drinks. So I had it uh, on like when I was (laughs) laying down at the very end of the night. So suffice to say, I didn't. um, You didn't get it. Consume it in in the in the best uh, or uh, most efficient manner. Well, that's okay. It was great though. We had a fun time. And um, I just thought it'd be great, man, for us to kind of chat about this season where it falls in the ranking of all of the eight seasons, how we felt about different episodes. I'm happy that you have some script changes. That was something actually if uh, if listeners here, I know we have a lot of cross listeners with the Joffrey of podcasts. And uh, Bubba did a whole thing where he kind of rewrote what the season could have been with 10 episodes. And, you know, I thought it would be good to talk to Justin because you uh, admittedly as a uh, a DJ Tim Hines is going to tell me nobody can hear the uh, street cleaner. Can you hear this street cleaner, Justin? 
Yeah, stop cleaning yeah, up the streets. That's pretty loud. He's bastard. cleaning up the streets of King's Landing after Daenerys burnt it to the ground. She didn't hear the bell. That's simple. That's why in MMA and in boxing, they say, uh, always protect yourself at all times. That's because at a fun fact, an Olympic boxing competition, uh, in amateur boxing, you have multiple rings next to each other. Yeah. A bell rang for uh, another match, and the two contenders in the other ring thought it was for them. So the one guy stopped and put his hands down and got knocked out. Wow. So that's why they always yeah. say protect yourself at all times. Ooh, yes. Cersei should have been protecting herself at all times. Well, in my hood, we say you best protect your neck. You best protect your neck. Yeah. All right, Wu-Tang, baby. Um, so I know that you and I disagreed on this season. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we had differing opinions, I should say. It's not a disagreement. It's just, you know, we had differing opinions. And uh, I thought it would be fun for us to go over it. But what I want to find out from you first, Justin, is this. Let's talk about how this season ranks on your overall ranking of all eight seasons. I'm going to do my list first. And then I would like you to do yours. Are you prepared? Um, well, I did 40 minutes of just quick uh, story edits okay. here. Like I can fix the season. <laughs> and that. Uh, but No, I did not do that. Uh, I, I can rank them off the top of my head. I though. know you can. Here we go. go. This is my ranking and it may be wrong because I may have forgotten things. And this is overall season, not individual episodes. Doesn't mean I didn't like the episodes. That's it. And plus it's Game of Thrones. I think they're all great. Number, my first season is, I think, what everyone says. The first season, number one. That was my favorite season. Even on rewatch, I sink right into it. I don't know. There was something about it. I really enjoyed it. Number season, then it goes three, four. Here comes the kicker. Seven, eight, two, five, six. Gotcha, gotcha. One, three. Four, seven, eight, two, five, six. So I actually like preferred season seven and eight, which a lot of people do not like, to seasons two, five, and six. I believe it's five and six. Sometimes all the episodes, I mean, you, the seasons can kind of run together, you know, when you start thinking about 70 some odd episodes that there are, 73 episodes, I guess there were. Yes. Um, but to me, the parts that. Well, it, five is your season where John, uh, spoiler alert, uh, is stabbed at the end. And yes. six is one in which he resurrects is always the way out. Yes. And even though I love those seasons and even though that the end of that season with John dying and the King's Landing stuff, there's several kickers there. I just felt that when I think about the seasons and how I enjoyed them purely as television, this is separate from the fandom and all that. Uh, this is really how I feel. And actually, the last two seasons are right in the middle for me. Exactly yeah. in the middle. Seven and eight go exactly in the middle. So they weren't my favorite, but I liked other seasons uh, I liked other seasons more, but I also thought that they it was kind of superior to some other seasons where I felt that the story was fun and I, I enjoyed it. It's not I just didn't get as much of a kick out of it. I wasn't as invested from episode to episode. Uh, where I'm sorry, where does your eight fall? The number. F- so it would be my fifth out of eight. OK, gotcha. Gotcha. Salad picks, salad picks. Yeah, your season off and the season five works essentially as your uh, pretty much um, you're about 75 percent done with your second act overall. Yeah. When, uh, at the end of that season, everybody's about to embark on their next journey, like the failed journey. Um, so that's an interesting one. You want me to do mine here? Yeah, let's see it. Uh, starting off with two, then I go one, then I go three, four, five, six, seven, eight in order. So oh, wow. favorite season is uh, season two, uh, mostly due to ba- uh, to the Blackwater. And I'm a big Sanus guy. And I really liked, uh, you know, seeing um, the conflict of the War of the Five Kings uh, in season two. Um, and then season one is obviously great because it sets off everything. Season three, you get uh, a lot of time with Arya and the Hound. Uh, and then from there, it just uh, it, it, it's pretty linear. It, it I think it's suiting uh, i can justify it even though i just did it in my head here just because you know the quality overall and this is 
true to most stories, uh, does decline in viewers, uh, at least um, entertainment value that they get out of them because you're, you know, you're working towards the end. So it tends to decline sometimes because a lot of people are dying in this show and a lot of arcs are coming to an end, which is fun because the story needs a resolution, but also you don't get to see them again. So it's tough. See, I like that. You know what, Justin, let's talk about that because that I see since you're right, since it basically you're so basically what you're saying is you flip flop in the beginning, but your enjoyment of the show lessened as time went on. Yeah, I mean, not significantly. And and trust me, I'm not saying that I, I dislike shows that end in any way. It's just, I think, natural um, when you have less and less to, you know, uh, immerse yourself in especially with uh you know this ensemble like i you know thrones has so it just it, in my situation naturally will go down in enjoyment but you really don't see a huge peak uh meaning like a huge uh, curve down until really probably and again i just ordered these <laughs> in the moment but looking at it i mean uh really six to eight is your your big dip so yeah. it's not like i'm like oh man now you know uh, there's not as many people alive or stories are being resolved yeah. and arcs are being resolved. Things that have to happen for story are happening. Uh, oh, this is making me mad. It's, you know, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, I think it's just a natural event to happen. It, it's just the way we are as, as human beings. We, see, we, we, I don't kinda, want, we don't want things to end. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. But you know, the, the thing for me is that the, the kind of sprawling nature of season one for me. And and this, maybe this is an overall disagreement I've had with why people ha have been upset about last season and this season and people saying things like it seems condensed, which granted it is, I think it's a different, it's, I actually think, and I think you may agree with me. It's a different kind of storytelling approach. You know, I'm, I don't necessarily, I think that it may have been from, conditions we know of wanting to end the show and blah 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 and people have contracts and all that there's not just dan and dave involved here there's thousands of people as which i thought it was great they showed that doc at the end to kind of get us to the level of the actual people who are working on it but what i'm trying to say is i liked that shift i liked mm -hmm. less characters I like that people were dead. I like that there were less old white guys with beards that I wasn't quite sure in the beginning who was who. You know, like I kind of liked, I was never in love with the sprawling, huge nature of this show. I felt that it was a bit unwieldy. I actually, I know this is tantamount to treason, but I actually think maybe there's like, too much of that like i don't really care about somebody's great grandmother's sigil i don't it doesn't like that's not really that interesting to me so i didn't care like when the blackfish appeared i was like oh he's cool and then when you're like unsure of wait okay so the blackfish is caitlin's brother and then that means that the other dude what's his name edmir is her cousin yeah. but he's that's, from a that, but that's not his dad that's his uncle right okay the point Edmir, is Edmir is Kat's, uh, <laughs> yeah. brother okay and, uh, the black brendan is uh the black uncle her uncle okay yes. okay so this is what i'm trying to say is all of that does not turn me on mm -hmm. storytelling does so I, the fact that people say things like it became less dense, it became less about the world and more just about this plot. I was always like, good. I want, that's why I liked seven and eight. And that's why I actually like one has a special place, but I don't know. You get my point. What do you think about yeah. that point? Well, okay. Uh, what were it, it again, let me clarify on, on what I was saying. Um, I, it's more of the merging of the parallel storylines because what you're speaking to is the vastness of the show really comes out because of the parallel storylines. Uh, technically, Danny yeah. and John could have their own, you know, book series uh, and so forth. So, and I've got a little uh, 
little edit here that I, I would maybe consider switching season five with season seven, even though it was poorly executed season seven. But what we got to see was the merging of essentially oh, two different okay, shows. Cool. Yeah. So uh, it was really enjoyable. They did it like Great shit. Point, buddy. Um, which tends to be a trend for them, in my opinion. But what we got was really good, meaning we didn't get there in the best way. But once we got it, we got to see all these people uh, interact uh, with each other and show uh, you know, who they were and really lay it out. So, yeah, it, it, in no way do I uh, get upset when there's just less people. And in no way does the story get less dense. It, you know, uh, it, it can be more layered with less characters uh, easily. It's just, um, you know, when they do combine the show, it's thrilling, uh, but also you start to get more of your, uh, you know, conventional storytelling as yes, well. So yeah, some of the allure for some people go probably does go away, but it's not like I, I, I hate that or anything. It's just, you know, it's just a fact that as they ran out of source material, which is just as much on George um, as it is on them that, you know, uh, things started getting a little choppy. So, I, yeah, but I, I, could, I, I could consider going from seven to five because, again, like I really like what came out of okay. seven um and five was heavily um s- pretty much focused on uh the wall which i i was never really a huge huge fan of of that uh storyline <clears throat> yeah you know what i i um i see i see your point there that you were unhappy with the way and i like what you say about the parallel storylines because that's something that was never quite equal, was it, Justin? Like they never invested. I I always, if we look back at this series and ranking this series and you'd try to think of it that way, it would have been cool if maybe we had had some um, maybe intrigue on Danny's side instead of the same story over and over and what she does, you know, like even though I see it, there never was any of that. That's more of a rags to riches, um, yeah. Danny, and it's survival and, you know, all about getting to Westeros. And then uh, when you go across the narrow sea with uh, John's storyline in, in the many other storylines that are happening in the uh, Seven Kingdoms, you know, you, you run into more of the uh, politicking, political intrigue and so forth. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you get more of a rags to riches over uh, with Danny. That's, that's, um, that's interesting because you're right, because it seems to be like. Essos politics only exists in 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 the framework of Westerosi politics on the show. It, it, yeah, it's, it, within it, itself, it, it's just people yeah. battling. Yeah, and Danny's you know kind of rolling through a, a, yeah. as she goes, uh, <laughs> and you know trying to you know not just trying, but you know that's essentially a big factor in something I think that should have been included. It is how much uh, you know societal reform and, and change is institution over there in those city states and yeah. and so forth that uh you know she was the hero in the um the one that was known for everything she did across the narrow sea and it didn't really transfer over to westeros which was you know it's frustrating for danny it, and it, i mean I, I would imagine just trying to immerse myself into that character i would be very frustrated because it's like hey I, i've done shit too look at me Look at me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. And that's something that uh, I think we'll talk about when we talk about mm-hmm. these episodes, because that was something that was lacking from this season. Um, all right. Let's uh, I'm trying to think of the way you were saying to switch it in the parallel storylines. And I guess that's why I have season seven rated so high. Mm-hmm. Um, three and four is kind of really the um kind of the 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 war of the five kings and the culmination of it the wanderlust as well a lot of wanderlust yes and i like that and i like that i I really totality of war through a lot of these they they go through the lands and so forth yeah you get a lot of uh that's where you get a lot of your character moments and stuff like that and they have time to do it in that in those seasons you know yeah but i think we both agree that the transition from the book material to the show material for me was rough. And that's why I have like five and six there at the end. But I felt like they stabilized themselves in seven and eight, which I know you don't agree with, but I liked the way that Danny finally got there. I liked Mm -hmm. season seven. I was thrilled by it. And I was really thrilled 
by season eight. I, I, I felt, I feel like three and one, three and four are, those are in the front for me because they had spectacle, crazy plot twists and great character development. Whereas seven and eight didn't have as much of the deep character stuff that I've talked about, but it was at a different point in the story. And I liked the introduction of Danny. I liked the way the parallel stories actually came together, which I know wasn't satisfying for you. Oh, no, no, it, it, it was. It was um, the contrived reasons uh, that they give for not uh, attacking King's Landing, uh, all of the silliness that they go uh, through to just, you the know, simply avoid conflict. That is, you know, it's a unearned suspension of disbelief that happens a lot in season seven. Uh, and just on all, all seriousness, seriously, just load up Cersei's army a little bit more in season seven. Like just, you know, you yeah. you're making these logistics up. Stop making it harder on yourself. Uh, but <laughs> no, um, I, I actually did a whole video before the season started because I, I did a full rewatch. And as you knew, like I, I was going through it, it, looking at any scripts I could get a hold up and, and looking at the adaption process in season seven is actually fascinating. And you get to see, there's not a lot of uh, <sighs> nuance or uh, as far as how they do it but the yeah. true character versus characterization is the most prevalent in season seven because it was literally everybody standing on a soapbox which i love yes. i just <laughs> don't like how they got there saying hey you yep. should follow me because of this and then they have their followers saying i followed yeah. danny because of this or i uh, followed the kingdom of the north i like of this. that or, i know like, like, that's yeah, good that yeah. shows it's like that shows you who they are in yeah. it it still works because you, they're speaking about all of the events that were, you know, that did have nuance and stuff like that. But, you know, just every single reason for anything is you're asking too much. Why? And why? You know what I mean? Instead of like, oh, all right. All right. I'm liking this. You're yeah. Like, oh, see, but that's I guess that's the point is that at the, by that point in the story for me. Right. I was kind of tired of all the freaking uncles and sigils and houses and Dorn and this and S. So I, I honestly was. And as a viewer of the show, um, I was ready to just kind of focus on our characters. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is it allowed me, I let go of a lot of that stuff. And even though now that we're talking about it and when I hear you talking about it and others too, because I want people to know I've been very positive this season, but I'm not a dummy. I, I mean, I, you know, I've been doing this a while. I know why people are complaining. I see it. I totally see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't not see it. I'm not sitting here going, why are people complaining? It's not like, it's not like, you know, I don't want to spoil, you know, I was going to make a loss reference, but uh, then you're going to tell me that your teacher polluted you against it and I'm going to get mad at them again. <laughs> but I was going to say, like, also, it's not, you know, like some other things uh, people have been like, why are people saying this? I don't understand. No, I totally get it. I get all the complaints, but I am not trying to be contrarian. I actually let go. So like the white hunt the um mm -hmm. some of the some of the contrived seemingly contrived plot points that happen in season seven and eight which do seem rather tv-ish in comparison to the way things like the red wedding or you know just other kind of things right um that are so planned out uh i kind of just went with it i guess is what i'm trying to say by that time in this that's why they're ranked higher even though I can see people arguing with me that a season like season two was actually of a higher quality overall. Yeah. I mean, and it's all, it's all up to the person's yeah, uh, exactly. own opinion. It's yeah, all subjective. Uh, it's, and again, it's not the uncles and the sigils that I'm, that I'm missing, even though I do like myself a good uncle and sigil. <laughs> um, no, I, I you like your uncle I, sigil. I, I, yeah. I don't um, really <laughs> enjoy, even though I, I love the lore, but I, I really, especially as far, far as content creation goes, I, I see a lot of people out there that I equate always to children that memorize all the constellations names, but they don't know how stars are formed. Uh, and then they think that they can criticize how stories made. So what I'm talking about is um, 
it, it, season seven is a yes we're ready because we're sick of SOs just like we are in the books we the way yeah. she gets there is perfectly fine it's just a whole lot of hurry up and wait um yeah, that's true. is what happens so it that's frustrating it, it, and there's a reason for this this hurry up and wait because they can't have that battle with Cersei because we saw what what how they you know um, arguably did it then uh now but you know what i'm saying so they have to address the, the white walker problem first so it's a lot of hurry up and wait in the situations are always kind of on that line of like hey are you really selling this to me in a way that i can you know allow you to um pass it off with uh you know a reasonable amount of suspension of disbelief by me like you have to earn your suspension of disbelief you can't show the puppet strings what i'm yeah. trying to say so i mean but it's not terrible and, the, and what you get in season seven it, it is really great it's really a great insight to who these characters have become in the world is changing as well so yeah you know it's totally valid argument all right you know well, it's not even an argument just discussion you know yeah baby we're discussing game of thrones you got any songs for me get any any singing from you i don't get you to sing often justin i want to hear you yeah sing. i something about i don't know i want i don't want people to to, to look at me like i'm a um an idiot um, but, it doesn't, or, but you don't you're you're you yeah. it could be wonderful no yeah i don't i okay. would but i don't have any talent uh, so well, uh, I yeah think you do. Uh, we're i can't work on that thing. we're gonna so, work on it off camera yeah. taking a little break from my talk with justin to remind you to email us at podcast at gmail.com you could win an amazing pair of targaryen cufflinks from cufflinks.com go to cufflinks.com slash dvr today Check out the Targaryen cufflinks. Just put Targaryen up in that search box. And while you're at cufflinks.com, you're going to see all the awesome codes they have for you to save. You can also use code DVR20 to get 20% off your order today, no minimum, on an awesome Father's Day gift. So send us your favorite event, happening, scene, whatever, your favorite moment of the entire series of Game of Thrones, and you'll be entered to win. Targaryen cufflinks. That's right. We know Daenerys burned down King's Landing, but we still want to give you these cufflinks. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Um, So I have a question to ask you, and we talked about this a little bit. Uh, Actually, I talked a little bit with Jack, with Ken. How do you think people are going to see... Game of Thrones in the future, critically, as far as like what's the kind of rep on the street going to be, versus how do you think like people who are for the like in a year say, Oh, Game of Thrones, I never watched that, and then they stream or they binge the whole thing, or in 15, 20 years, they binge the whole thing. What do you think? Do you think there's going to be a difference, or do you think it's going to be pretty much the same? kind of outcome what do you th- uh the way in which you consume it, you know? consume the medium will uh, definitely not only the the difference between people that have read the books and then watch the show but let's just say people that are just watching the show and binging it like you just posed to me uh, that that rapid consumption is going to lead to i would believe less disappointment because we have been waiting uh for so long in anticipation and what you spoke to earlier something we discussed you know i stuck up for you on twitter i don't know who was uh, bullying you. you or shaming oh, you but oh uh God. you know um i i mean there's plenty of other reasons pick your you know to bully or shame axel I, Look, I got my hair uh, cut yeah, yeah, no that's nice i like it um but um yeah you know <laughs> you have a a certain amount of expectations for the show that that differ from from others so you know like it's not like you don't see faults it's just that the show isn't held in the same regard as it is for other people uh it, it's not is that doesn't mean as uh as much you still enjoy it but you're not hinging your happiness on it which isn't you know you shouldn't hinge your happiness on anything outside of yourself but yeah i, I think that if people that just binge it it'd be less of a, of a letdown for this final season, which I do yeah. consider to be a letdown be, just because of the fact they are not waiting like two years, you know, one and a half years to two years at a time in between uh, and engaging, but they're really also missing out on what we've point. done as well. Um, and as far as critical, um, just like what, what, what do you mean? Uh, are you talking about? I mean, like I, I have to admit that even though, okay. So I think that the, the highest standard of critically of TV shows of ending of TV shows is probably 
Breaking Bad and Six Feet Under. People loved those seasons. They think Six Feet Under has the best finale ever. I think critics pretty much all agree on that, that it was perfect, and that the whole thing wrapped it. But show like Lost, not a great finale. Sopranos, very divisive. Where do you think Game of Thrones is going to fall critically as far as, because it kind of stains the whole thing. Dexter. Dexter has terrible, right? People yeah, hate yeah. the whole series because the last season wasn't that great. I disagree. I love Dexter. I love Dexter still, but the the last episode oh, it was terrible. Was, was the fucking worst. Uh, but yeah, you know, and I I have pretty much the same sentiment about this last episode. It, it will not make me hate the show. Wow. It does not ruin my adulthood. Uh, Wait, uh, you're an adult? <laughs> oh, I'm an adult. Yeah, it stole my innocence. No, uh, oh, you know it, it's. Uh, mic, I believe that you should hold the things that you love and uh, things that you are immersed in and invested in. And as somebody that likes to to write, like myself, and you know, you have your production background. Uh, you know, I, I I never make excuses, and I, I don't crap on things just to crap on things. I, I notice a lot of uh, YouTubers I've never even heard of before are coming out and just you know shitting on Dan and Dave, and, and this all their videos are is just you know childish nonsense. You know, bad writers or bad yeah, they're they're not great, but trust me, most of these people you know can't do better, especially since they have no experience with screenwriting. So it's like, no, in no way do I defend Dan and Dave's decisions. But I also don't think that uh, other people have the right to say that they could do it better, uh, especially with no experience. Can I just make one quick point? Can I make one quick point here too, Justin? And as a writer, this should be noted too. And this was something that we were talking a little bit before about how people, when they talk about TV, they often just talk about plot. They don't mention yeah. any of the visuals. They don't mention the production. That, that And then they say, well, you, that's an excuse if you mention that. No, this is the, the medium. That's mm-hmm. like saying, um, you know, that an artist chooses great color, but then when you look at the painting, you can't tell what it is and it's not even supposed to be abstract. Right? No, it has to work together. If you you have to give credence to those things. But for writing, people say Dan and Dave, oh, they're not a great oh, they wrote the last episode. They're not a great writer, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go on Twitter and all they're doing is quoting the show. Who do you think wrote that dialogue? Dan yeah. and Dave, you might you might fault them for their overall plotting. Okay. Yes, that's exactly it. Is that's okay. Plotting. You can plot. Yes. You can fault, fault them for that. Which, by the way, is not just them. That's usually broken down by a bunch of yeah. writers oh, yeah. and oh, assistants yeah. and 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 also HBO I, giving them notes, which they do. I know all about boring. Yes, but dialogue is something that I want to stand up for them. I think Dan and Dave are great dialogue writers. I really do. I I think if you look throughout this series, they have employed, though you may have faulted some of the plotting, I think that they have done some great dialogue writing and that I think, yes, they have borrowed some stuff from the books and, I, and they famously changed it. But I just wanted to interrupt, I apologize, just to say that you may uh, not think they're great writers, but I think they're great dialogue writers. And they're professionals, you know, I mean, they, they didn't stick this landing. It, Ending a television show uh, is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, it is much easier to start a story than it is to end one. Uh, some people will turn a pilot script into a uh, uh, just a one-off because they don't want to have to end the story, and they can't. Some people start a pilot, then vice versa. It, it is a situation where they will have the ending in mind first and have trouble uh, starting it. So it just is what it is. Uh, I, I even, you know, because I'm not out there selling screenplays uh, just because I've taken courses and I continue to do, uh, you know, self-educate and write myself. I, I don't think that I'm some you know, God's gift is screenwriting, but uh, I have an understanding of how it works for sure. And there is fair criticism to have and people need to realize uh, from what stance their critique is coming from. Just because you enjoy a show so much doesn't mean you understand how it's made. I drive a car every day. I own a car. I don't know anything about engineering. I'm not a mechanic, so I can give a review on a car and says it doesn't pick up as fast. Do you know why I chose my car? What's that? Do you know why I chose my car? Um, it had a dashboard that was, uh, lent itself to cocaine use. <laughs> no, God, no, no. Maybe 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, no. I chose, my, <laughs> I, cho- 
I chose my car because it has the longest um, seat to pedal of a sedan. Oh yeah, I forgot I you're a giant. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just wanted to agree with you that you can still love we it. We can't though. say how we would engineer yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We can people still love get it, you though, can't enthusiastically you know? get your way to a uh, you know degree that allows. I don't even know what it, I guess a, a a surgeon brain surgery. You know, I'm so enthusiastic about brain surgery. I'm going to start doing it. <laughs> you gotta you gotta learn how how it's actually done so well, yeah i agree no. i agree justin and i just think that it's important for us to mention that because i know you as a writer you know there's so many different facets it's like you'll say somebody is oftentimes say like oh, if it's sports oh that guy's a terrible quarterback but then yeah. people say well why does he keep on getting hired getting hired or, you know, cut, uh, I mean, brought on to different teams, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. Well, because he's also incredibly intelligent. He's a game manager. He's fun to work with, but he's not as talented as uh, somebody else who maybe would do better than him, but doesn't get the job because they're a prick or they yeah. don't remember the plays or they, uh, they, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they don't communicate well. You're also, you need to compare professionals to other professionals. You know, yes. I won't, I won't put myself in that box. Uh, I, I don't have, you know, that much delusion. So, you know, that's so, but point, we see a lot buddy. of people do, you know, point. it's not only did they not enjoy it, but they, you know, they could write a better script and I got some story notes right here, but, and I did them in 40 minutes. So they're just, you know, ideas how I think it could have been an enhanced experience, but yeah, it's silly. It's silly to say that they're terrible at what they do and stuff like that. Uh, just because you don't agree with the job they, they did, you can just say that you can't be like, and I could have done it so much better and, and stop. Again, but I know people all make the ignoring of mediums yeah. that people do. Oh, books are so much more detailed. I'm like, they are descriptive by definition. Okay. Like it's a different medium. My car doesn't fly as well as my jet. You have a jet. Yeah. yeah I'm rich as fuck. Oh man. Uh, dude. So, I'm yeah. on a boat. Um, yeah. All right. Let's keep it moving. We're going to, as I adjust my mic. Oh, that's perfect. Mic adjustment there. Um, Let's talk about each episode, all right? Let's start it off. You've got some notes. I've got some ideas, and we're going to run through them. Episode one, Winterfell. David Nutter directed. Dave Hill wrote it. This is where they arrive at Winterfell. This whole episode is basically at Winterfell. Um, we get a little bit of Euron, uh, which comes with the Golden Company. We get the introduction of the Golden Company. Uh, Euron, I think this is where, yeah, Euron has sex with Cersei. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Kyburn gives Bronn the bow, which we know was actually shot for the last episode of season seven. Uh, and, uh, let's see what else. Oh, Sam meets Daenerys and then Sam tells Jon that he's the king. And then we yes. get the horror story at the end of the episode. I love this episode. I thought that this was a perfect um, entry into this season, the landing at Winterfell was awesome. I, and I also think that the critical acclaim people were okay. at this point in the season, people were okay. They were still saying it's like season seven, blah, 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 but they were okay because this was to me just, I mean, I, I think of, so we were talking about images. I think of that kid climbing the tree, like Bran, Right, like there was so many juxtapositions to the first season. Oh, hello. Oh, it's oh, I'm being, I'm being unprofessional. That was George R. R. Martin, wasn't it? Sad Johnson, I'm doing everything but writing the books. What are you doing? Like everything else that I'm not. Supposed to do. <laughs> it's railroad. Take that. Too cap busy off. not writing the books to write the books. Go yes. back to Bayonne Railroad. Anyway, um, what did you think about this episode? Um, a little underwhelmed, but I, I really liked the mirroring. I did a, a little video on it about how it, it's got, a, you know, essentially all of your beats from your season one pilot, as it should. Uh, a lot of this uh, episode is going to hinge on people's um, interest in, in the high fantasy aspects. Mine is fairly low. So the little story notes I had, uh, and these are things that they did uh, establish. I just thought they could have been pushed a little bit further. The internal conflict with Danny uh, in her troops versus yeah. the, the North. Uh, they could they could have showcased more of the the troops in my opinion uh, the difference in in both culture in the the terrain and in, in the actual um, elements you know just to show really how out of place they are because what I'm really trying to drive home is how Danny we 
I'm working within the constraints of these six episodes that I just, I mean, there's no way around it. They should have done more. Uh, so, but I, I can't, you know, write different uh, or add more episodes. So try to be fair. And, and to be fair to me, people, I did this in 40 minutes and wrote it by hand because my iPad broke and uh, forgot I can't, you know. Oh, even. there's no excuses. And you you yeah. play the Game it- of Thrones or you die, Justin. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you just, you know. You go off to the side for a little bit as well, too. You don't. Or have you to chill die. out like uh, Braun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, anyways, these are just broad <laughs> strokes here. Uh, what I what I'd like to have established is actually just how much of a uh, risk Danny is taking by helping them, and uh, really just Very not a lack point. of understanding, and, but also a lack of appreciation. But it's one we can understand because of the uh, the xenophobia that's present within the story. It's already been established. So uh, mutual distrust of the the people, uh, you know, more than logistics by Sansa, because that's like the main issue, which should be. Um, so Danny is there and wants people to like her. She has John ride the dragon with her, right? I think this could really work in a way that she could see that they all love John and be like, well, look, I'm not this, you know, crazy foreigner i'm somebody uh that's not so much different from john have him ride the dragons with her as more of a political move to like showcase that john is with her now i think because justin i love everything I, you're saying yeah just one second and i finish oh, i'm go gonna ahead. be brief with these uh so and i apologize no uh, just for it. the fact that we get the reveal at the end that you know his true parentage so i think it'd be another kick in the ass to danny because what we need to do is build up this resentment uh, yeah. in a more of a believable manner. Uh, that's one of the major complaints. That turn needed to happen. It was definitely going to happen. It was never not going to. Uh, but really build up how much Danny has sacrificed. But we need to establish this across the narrow sea. So if she you know, does a little bit of politicking by having him ride the dragons with her, not only emerging high fantasy uh, with the uh, political intrigue, uh, you know, that's going to bring a lot of people there. But then when she finds out that he's a potential threat to the to the claim, she it's a kick in her own ass as well. Um, so then you have, uh, let's see, you know, the North should be visibly shocked by seeing him on a dragon. You know, they, they should be uh, uneasy about this. And, and this should put, you know, a whole lot of uh, question into much more than just is Sansa better with, better with logistics and so forth. You should see a clear uh, division between these people, not only uh, just, you know, where they're from, but how they live, uh, their values and so forth. So um, uh, I think I have one more thing here. Uh, Let's see. And I think that, yeah, um, just that in establishing uh, a little bit further, more than Grey Worm saying, you know, giving Masande a look um, in, in more than I the logistics. Just show, the, show the Dothraki roaming around, uh, just, you know, just not in their element. Show how yeah, out scaring of place they people. are. Yeah. Uh, Justin, yeah. I, I love, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, brother. I love everything you're saying. You're looking towards the end game here and what they, sh- what they could have been building. And I think we're gonna we're hitting on something that I'm wanted to bring up, and you cut right to it, brother. Is there? I find a subtlety in this season that is kind of contextually at odds with the rest of what of the plot engineering that's going on, because what you're basically saying is. Show it to us, build it up. Like we, we're going to get to this point, right? Start yep. early, y- use the politics. Don't just mention it once or twice, make it really be the lifeblood of what's happening. But it's like they turned internal yeah. on the characters because it really, and in a way I can argue that because it, you'll see it later in John and Danny's arguments they have, how they're like two teenagers arguing with each other. They're not adults. I mean, adults don't, at least I can't say that because adults act in varying ways, but they're not self-realized people. You know, Danny's asking him to lie. He's confused. He doesn't want to kiss her because it's his aunt. But all mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is they could have, you're right. They could have laid that here um, in this episode. But there's still a lot that happens in this episode, and they do lay down a lot of that stuff. But I think it's with more of a subtlety 
than how you're describing. You're right. A quick scene with the Dothraki like walking through a the little snow. the snow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or like or or some little kid looking at him and and like looking at his own clothes and looking at their clothes. Or you're right, like more of that otherness. But there was a lot of it. But I, yeah, I like but that. the North is just. Um, you know, seemingly annoyed with them. We need to showcase yeah. how much Danny is sacrificing yes. and her people are sacrificing just being there is all the only thing I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, I like the and, and it could have all been done. A lot happened too. in this episode. So yeah. th- really what it comes down to is you really need to showcase not how they're just like a, an issue for the North to feed, but they're also not happy. They're there. They're out of their element They're because they're doing all of this despite of, of her want. This is what they need to do opposed to what they want. Yes. That's, that's character. So just a few missed opportunities here, but overall, uh, you know, I, I think a solid episode. It, I like it. It would have been cool too, to, to even foreshadow the destruction of King's landing and how, I've got something for that. How the Unsullied, the Dothraki, and the Northern Men did that together. Like, it would have been interesting to have a scene where, like, they all agree they hate the Lannisters or something. Like, even the lower cast people. Um, That's interesting. I like your points, buddy. Like I said, I'm not against, um, though I enjoyed this season, I know it has faults. And I know that I, I can see where people are coming from. Um. But I do want to mention some things that I loved from this episode. Um, I thought that the end was awesome with Tormund and Beric. And it really was a great foreshadowing for the darkness that we'd see in the Battle of Winterfell. Um, I even really did like the scenes with Cersei and, and Euron. Even though I kind of am looking at this and feeling like that was the most we saw of Cersei probably the whole season. I don't know. Like... She's just not in this season at all. And it's there's a, a metric real loss. for how many minutes she's on uh, and how much she got paid, which of course is not her fault. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, crazy. it's really that was to me. If if she's very if, talented, too, yeah. If I had to stand on one soapbox and complain about one thing, and I'll say it again, not enough Cersei in this episode. Could have had a lot more. I think it could have been more interesting. Let's keep it moving. Now we get. I do want to just say one thing. I liked what you mentioned about, you know, because I constantly complain about them stomping through when they should be more nuanced. Uh, So, you know, you should let your audience uh, do the two plus two themselves. You shouldn't solve it for them. You shouldn't hold their hand. Uh, But they do just tend to to uh, count on us to make connections when it's unreasonable. And then when we could use a little bit of that heavy handedness that they definitely have, they, they seem to hold back. Like, no, 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 no. They'll, they'll get the point. It's like, yeah. go ahead there though. Is, give us a little I bit agree. of your trademark Scooby-Doo uh, yeah. uh, nonsense here. All right. I'll literally take, this is not advantageous for us at this very moment. You yes. know, and I'm like, all right. I, I have to agree with that, Justin. I really do have to agree with that. There's an inconsistency there that, and to me, that was a frustration of this season. Um, but then again, I do have to say, at the end of this episode, I was psyched. I was excited. I think about the beautiful shots. Um, and there already was that feeling that Danny was not welcome and that yeah. this was odd. This was just seemed odd, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now let's move to episode two. Directed again by David Nutter, this time written by Brian Cogman, who's now working on the Amazon uh, Lord of the Rings series, uh, after a, after he very vocally kind of was pissy at HBO for <laughs> killing his... I'm just kidding. I don't... We don't do... We don't do gossip here. Um, by Brian Cogman, who actually has written a lot of fantastic episodes, Um and this is uh, a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. This is where Brienne gets knighted. Um, we have. Uh, oh, now I get the title. Yeah, oh, no, can you believe no, it? Ja- <laughs> you know, we yeah. start off with Jamie's trial, um, Tyrion battling with Daenerys very early on. Um, Daenerys tries to gain Sansa's trust, a little touch of the hand. Remember that? Uh, Theon, Ed, Tormund, and Beric arrive at Winterfell, and this is where they say, you know, Tormund says, we have till daylight, they'll be here, setting in motion us already, the battle is already going to happen. And this is one thing that 
where I under I understand that they actually shot more this season than they did in previous seasons. Like st- statistically, the production wise, this was actually a longer shoot and a bigger shoot than say season five. Yes. Okay. Um, but the way that they the way that they plotted out these episodes and their number, there is definitely still less time right there's like an episode and a half less when you add up the extra 20 minutes or so that are in the other episodes right or there's like two episodes less and this is where i think you get i feel like if there was an extra episode here before the battle of winterfell right the before the long night and if there was an extra episode between seven uh six and seven uh, I mean, I'm sorry, five and six. This is where things could have been drawn out because I think we started to kind of feel in this episode, wow, we're already getting to the Battle of Winter. You know what I mean? Like it, things happened pretty quickly here. But I enjoyed this episode. But when I think about it, I do feel like the first and second episodes blend together a little bit for me in intent and what they're leading up to, even though this was more battle of Winterfell focused and what they were going to do darkest before the dawn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What do you, how did you feel about this episode? One of my favorite episodes. I, I, I would do um, two episodes after um, the, the battle uh, for Winterfell. I thought that uh, actually this concluded, I think the first half of the season concluded fairly decently. um, And I, always predicted it that night king would be um done in the third episode uh the blah 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 i do remember um, the that. trial of jamie i think was a little bit of a missed opportunity because just mm. by danny putting uh jamie like on the spot uh you know you can't really call it a trial but questioning his behavior Good with uh, her father yeah. uh, it this also could have been used to justify or for her to have to explain herself uh by the very nature Great of this point. conversation yes. so jamie you know just as she's being questioned or she's questioning jamie in this uh situation about what he did to her father and she in all reality this this goes against logic because not a lot of people are going to be too quick to you know even though they don't praise jamie because again he did the right thing in the wrong way but her father's not a popular man and and she needs to distinguish herself from him. So, you know, this would have been a perfect uh, opportunity to have Jamie uh, or somebody else at least combat her a little bit and, and have a little bit of uh, true character come out for her as well. Also with Tyrion, we have a lot of him just being stupid. I think that they could have really wrote off a lot of his uh, ac- actions to redemption because he was given a second chance uh, by Danny, you know, to be uh, her hand. So they could have sold Jamie on redemption because this is really essentially the pinnacle, the watershed moment in his redemption arc, his limited redemption arc. So, you know, instead of Tyrion just looking just like he's stupid as hell, he could have just said, yeah, I believed in Cersei because you once believed in me, blah, blah, blah. You know, a little bit more redemption focus yeah. rather than, oh, I guess I got one pull over on me. Um, besides True. that, I that have deepened uh, the later stuff, too. That's a great point. And he could have before he threw down his pin, he could have made made some sort of allusion to that, you know, and said, um you know, now that my, my sister is defeated and now you, you've replaced her, I guess, or, you know what I mean? Like, at least I tried with you. See, I tried with you both or something, you know, I see your point there, Justin. Yeah. And then I just got um, a a few things. I think that, uh, you know, her dragon, Sarion being turned should have been a bigger emotional, uh, without a doubt. Yeah. So what I, since the Night King was taunting them, you know, this would be another opportunity to really show how the North really isn't in line or have too much interest in, 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 you know, what's good for her by maybe just seeing the undead dragon with maybe the Night King on it, you know, like in the distance flying taunting, uh, just to show, you know, that they are around getting, trying to get them to you know, leave Winterfell, leave their defenses, but also just having them see that dragon and equating it to essentially her dragon, but her having her child be you know undead and being ridden by this you know this being that's 
seemingly just a monster and turned out to be just a monster, but they are focused on mourning Umber, Ned Umber. Yeah. The child, their child of the North is important for them to be upset about Danny's child that's flying around in the sky is not an interest to them. So that's one of my little bit out there ones. Uh, that's, you know, something I thought visually would be uh, cool. But, you know, you really want to distinguish, too, between uh, not only uh, where her forces come from, but how they actually operate. This would be, again, uh, just a little bit of showcasing of the difference between you know the unsullied Dothraki and the Northern and Vale forces, because they are a standing army. Danny's army is a standing army. They don't. It's not part of a feudal system in which they go and they you know get their harvest and then they're called by their lords uh, and their bannermen. Uh, this is a standing army. So the the reason for why they fight is is vastly different. Uh, I just think a little bit of a missed opportunity there. Just you know to to have them just be showcased in a light that, that really hammers down that they not only are from somewhere else they fight uh from a different uh place uh, you know of meaning their intent and their emotion what their motivation for it i like that Uh, idea that um that about the different armies and getting a little bit more into that now because it's going to become this really was a whole season of war and the the attitude of the armies in general which was so tantamount in all the discussions in the war of the five kings they constantly talked about it was not as uh did not seem to be as important to the people here to john or dan well really to danny too and we do see it and we see it later when Sansa says, hey, they need to rest. Let's not go fighting King's Landing. And John says we need to rest. So you're right, Justin. If they had added, put in a little bit more of an maybe even a kind of boots on the ground view here, we would have been able to see that as it happens later. Uh, one thing I do want to mention about this episode is let's not forget this had the famous and I think everybody loved it fireside chat where we're hanging out in the room this was like you felt the tension the entire episode building um so when i say that another added episode here maybe i felt like to bring out these things you're talking about you know and and lay more of a groundwork from what's to come but i think and you may agree with me justin Maybe plot-wise, why some of this was kind of held back and it was more subtle is because of the surprise of the Night King's going to die in the next episode. You know what I mean? Like, Because remember, at this time, a lot of us were talking on live streams, podcasts, whatever. Oh, hey, why do they keep on talking about what's going to happen after? Everybody's going to die. The White Walkers are going to kill everybody. Oh, my God, they're unstoppable. And then some people, myself, you, other people too, probably the same people, were saying, but hey, they've got to think towards the future. So um, the the political stuff took a kind of a backseat to this age-old battle that they were going to fight. So maybe another episode would have helped strengthen it, but we do get that tension. Yes. It, yeah. It, it, I think it's, it would just be important to showcase the, the way in which her army operates opposed to how the, the, you know, seven kingdoms armies operate, because that's a major aspect that comes into play after her death is how does gray worm have control? Why is this army, you know, still loyal to her? Because every blood rider, uh, which she made all of her Dothraki's blood riders. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. They should be actually hunting John down, technically. So it it would just be a better way to establish the way they operate, and would justify like us being like, why the hell is Grey Worm running this great council? Um, <laughs> and, and the only reason I say the Viserion thing again, I wrote this down in, in forty minutes altogether. I just think that Danny should be showcased as somebody that uh, is very alone, and people are having the good time around the fire. Those scenes in which we enjoy, but she cannot you know yeah. embrace it because oh that's great it, they would so. have had it wouldn't have been cool if she like looked through the door and saw all them together but decided not to go join them or you're right justin it could have been built all right well let's keep it moving man because we got yeah, a lot now, to cover episode, so, yeah, yeah not, it was a great episode yeah. now we get to uh and just at the end of that episode is when john tells danny that he's actually Aegon targaryen we get that and we go right into the horns blowing. They're here. 
The Battle is Beginning, Episode 3, The Long Night, directed by Miguel Sapochnik, directed by Dan and Dave. And this is the battle, which of course ends with Arya killing the Night King and Melisandre walking off and taking off her her uh, necklace and dying. I oh, mean, so sexy. Oh my God. So, whew, Ooh, to each his okay. own, my friend. Um, mm-hmm. They got, uh, uh, we got, we got deaths here. Ed, Jorah, um, Night King, of course. And uh, John and Dan, Liana Mormont, Liana Mormont by get, takes out the iron giant and, uh, or the dead giant. And she goes down and yes, Justin's the only, no, there's a couple people who d- didn't like her. I loved her. She can break dance yeah. too. Did you the see mythic, the, uh, 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 through the giant's eye? Yeah, yeah. Right. Once again, which we saw also that Ramsey did with his arrow. Um, so this, I love this episode. I mean, I don't know what more I can say. Just even saying the name of the episode, I think of Arya in the library and the whites and just the, you know, all the Dothraki's uh, swords going out slowly as they succumb to the White Walkers, the wave of White Walkers, just images flood my mind, John, like Don Quixote. So, I mean, what, what, uh, I, I don't really... I kind of think this was a. Ama- I mean, we can talk about the dark light thing. Yeah, um, we all know that. But we all you know, know about lighting's it. an issue. Um, but I, I love this episode. I thought the battle was super cool. I don't know. What did, yeah, what I thought did it, did, it did what it needed to do. My only uh, uh, edits uh, would be Tyrion and Sansa being in charge of burning the whites, um, getting running around and burning the whites as they're being cut down, so they don't keep rising. First off, logically, that's something that should know. They didn't earn that suspension of disbelief. They've always, since the beginning of this uh, series, said burn the dead. Um, also, this uh, is an opportunity to give us more White Walkers versus our, our, you know, I'll just go ahead and speak video game turns here. It's like sub boss fights. So you have Brian yeah, fighting a, a White Walker, point. you have yeah, Jamie fighting yeah. a White Walker, because I think what they're trying to do is really um, showcase how, how just you know, relentless this is and how hopeless the fight is by having this, this just nonstop wave of whites and they keep getting up and that's, that's fine, but it gets a little bit, uh, um, you know, just, uh, repetitive and it gets a little bit too hectic, uh, for us to, to really be able to even focus on what they're doing. I think you could add a few more character moments. All the character moments are beautifully, uh derived from aria with within this episode we follow her for most of it and, and we see her bringing out things in the hound and uh barrack and so forth uh you know she essentially works as our uh her view throughout the whole battle but this would make more logical sense too with the crypts because this would mean Tyrion and sansa and whoever's helping them would be forced into the crypts because they'd be overwhelmed uh, not make the decision to go where dead people are. It's just like a, the Alamo. Um, I would like to see because we do need to continue to showcase Danny. You know, coming around to her breaking point. So yeah. you know, she loses Jora and and she loses a lot of her troops here. So she's not as strong. I would just have a a simple scene. Uh, well, it wouldn't be simple to shoot, but it, it goes along with what they're shooting, uh, where she has to make a decision to destroy a group of whites that are headed towards preferably preferably Jora, like how she saves uh, oh, John. Okay, but she has to make a foreshadowing. The yeah, she has to, to make the decision death. to save yeah. Jorah are a large, uh, you know, portion of maybe like uh, her troops, just her people. But it would be at the cost of essentially burning a lot of northern or Vale troops. So she looks down and she essentially lets preferably again Jorah die because she's not going to have. Uh, you know, that sacrifice oh, of, you know, like say it's I like, like 100 that, to 200 Justin. Northerns uh, because yeah, that's just showing her again doing the right thing, but it's showing her, it's like, how much can this person handle? Like, this is what you need to evoke. It's empathy. So, you know, like the, this isn't in contradiction with what's going to happen. This makes sense to me because I, I'm going to ask myself is how much more is she going to be able to take? Because man, now she just lost like her her main uh you know advisor somebody that she has it's platonic but it's still love for and she did it for the sacrifice Mm -hmm. of the north and you know spoiler alert in my story again they're not going to really appreciate her for this they're not going to give her any medals it's just going to be something she does Uh, she technically uh you know becomes weaker because of it uh speaking 
like her individually uh, when it comes to her militaristic uh, force, military military force, excuse me. And um, I think that, yeah, that, that that's about it. You just want to uh, have more individual one-on-ones. Okay. Like the, Car Stark in in um, Tormen in Battle of the Bastards. Th- that's like a like a. Su- I always call. I, my brother will be messaging me during these shows, and I go boss fight because like this happens a lot in shows where you get like yeah. you know the two guys that face off. You're like, boss fight. Uh, yeah. You know you're on. Westworld really is great at that. Yeah. So yeah, just about that. I, I you, you want to see Danny making decisions for the greater good again, but building towards is how much is she going to sacrifice. In, in, in be able to just uh, you know I love that point just Justin. grim and bear it yeah yeah so I think essentially the same thing I brother you're doing such a wonderful job here I appreciate the hard work and I love it you're really propelling my mind because that is great when you said that about Danny having to make a choice in this battle that kind of foreshadows the breaking point that she's at would be wonderful. I mean, I, I, and you pointing to being um, in the previous episode, like the Night King kind of, uh, you know, what, what did you say? Like, like kind, taunting like her. Taunt, yes, the, taunting. That's the yeah. word. Because he ends Cause up doing that. That's what they do in the books, that. too. Yeah. Taunt, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, do they? they yeah. Well, they, I'm sorry. They describe their uh, language as like a screeching but it's almost a taunting oh that's interesting because and they're taunting with the umber boy because so there's so much yeah there's so much of that this season they really emphasized that these symbols that the white walkers were using were really more of a taunt an inversion that they're trolls that that the you know they really firmly i think at the end of this season coming into it you thought the night king's this magical weird oh we're gonna find all this mystery by the end of it when he died, I'm thinking he's just a big troll. I'm glad he's dead. I think they actually did an effective job of transforming that in my mind. And I think that when he tries, when Danny tries to burn him and he smiles at her, that to be further frustrated by having to make a decision like the one you're describing would have been really fantastic. But all in all, I have to say that I found this episode to be thrilling um just i loved the Arya killing the night king thing i know that you were a fan uh, yeah and i hated Arya. yeah yeah, i know so it just made sense we don't have to disagree about that one and i think i I think people have kind of come around to that and and let me yeah yeah, that's good and and i don't know what's going to happen in the books i'm not sure but I know that we all love the character of Arya, so it was cool. And maybe it made up for one of the things we didn't mention when we were talking about the seasons, which is that she was over in Bravo's training for like way too long. They could have condensed that to one season, maybe it would have and and had her come back earlier and really developed her character and Westeros doing more assassin stuff like this. Uh that would have been pretty cool. Um but overall, I love this episode. I thought it was shocking that the Night King died. You had called it. I do remember that. And that leads us into the next episode, The Last of the Starks. That was part one of our two-part season eight review. Please bear with us and stay with us till Monday. Want to spread it out, give you a little time to listen. Been dropping a lot of content. So I want to spread it out here for you. So come back with us on Monday and you can listen to the rest of it or you can head over to Justin's YouTube channel and watch the whole thing. Top Shelf Fandom, baby. Check it out.